I'm VJ Hamilton and welcome to the Autoimmune Reset, the place for you to learn how to thrive with autoimmune disease and feel empowered to take steps to transform your health to feel better than ever. You can start making changes today to improve your health. So with every episode, my mission is to share with you simple ways to up-level your diet and lifestyle with key learnings from my own journey reversing autoimmune disease and inspirational stories from those who have reset their autoimmune symptoms and are now thriving in life. I suffered from autoimmune disease for over 25 years and now I live symptom-free and I wish the same for you as well. So thank you for being here and sharing this time with me. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's Friday Five. Today I'm going to be talking to you about the five most common autoimmune skin and hair conditions that I come across in my clinic. And remember, when I talk about these conditions today, this is not any medical advice for you. I am just sharing information from the scientific literature and also things that I I'm experiencing and seeing in my clinic. And also, I'm gonna share some of my experiences as well. So let's talk first about the most common hair loss due to an autoimmune disease, which is alopecia areata. And alopecia areata often turns up quite suddenly and you will normally have circular or round patches of hair loss. So when you get a lot of shedding all over the head, that often is a different type of hair loss like telogen effluvium. But alopecia often starts in round patches. It can go on to people losing all of their hair. With alopecia areata, the areata part of it is all about areas of hair loss. And alopecia areata is associated with other autoimmune diseases, including vitiligo, which we're going to be speaking about in a moment. And what I would like to share with you is what these autoimmune diseases actually are, and then possible interventions that you could consider. And it is Friday 5 today, so we're going to be quick. It's going to be one intervention for each condition. Now, alopecia areata is when the immune system starts to attack the hair follicle because the hair follicle shouldn't be attacked by the immune system. It's, it's an immune privileged site which should be switched off primarily. But when somebody experiences hair loss, it's often that that immune privileged site at the hair follicle has been lost. And as a result, the immune system can go in and attack the hair follicle. And obviously when the hair follicle has been attacked, it is not going to be able to grow hair. And that is when someone will experience hair loss. Now I work a lot with alopecia areata in my clinic. I suffered with alopecia areata myself. And what I would say is really interesting from the research is the association with zinc. And zinc is often lacking in a vegetarian and vegan diet because the zinc that you will get from vegetarian vegan food isn't as bioavailable. It's just something to bear in mind because I was suffering a lot with alopecia areata when I was a vegetarian and that may have been one of the reasons why as well as many other reasons but just to be aware of that you can get your zinc levels checked so if you have a preference for being vegan or vegetarian then get your levels checked and you can always supplement if you need to. Again this isn't medical advice but it's just something to consider that the research does show that patients with alopecia areata seem to have lower zinc levels than the general population and zinc is not only a 
powerful antioxidant. Oxidative stress, when you have a buildup of free radicals around the hair follicle, can cause damage in and of itself. So zinc can help to produce powerful antioxidants around that site. But it is also an immune modulator, which means that it helps to keep the immune system in check. So certainly one to consider if you are experiencing any type of autoimmune hair loss. The next thing I want to talk about is psoriasis, which again is an immune cell mediated condition, which means again, the immune system is attacking, in this case, the skin. But what happens in psoriasis is that as part of the inflammatory response, growth factors are also recruited to the site. And it means your skin starts to produce lots of skin cells at a very quick rate and that's when you get a psoriatic plaque. It can be very uncomfortable. Again, I've experienced psoriasis myself. It can be on the elbows, the trunk and the scalp. It can affect your confidence as well as it being uncomfortable. There are many reasons why people are looking to reduce the symptoms when they do have psoriasis. What the research says is that streptococcus and staphylococcus, which are both very common infections, may have a role to play in the onset of psoriasis, even to the extent that when somebody has strep throat, they are more likely to have a psoriasis flare. So it might be worth getting tested or doing a stool test and seeing if you have any streptococcus or staphylococcus overgrowth. I've certainly seen it in stool tests with my clients. And you may want to look at either natural antimicrobials to help get that put back in balance or maybe working with your doctor to help with that as well. But yeah, the research does certainly show a link that the bacteria themselves are initiating that inflammatory response in the skin, even though it's in the gut, it becomes systemic and it may cause an issue in the skin as well because the body is one system. And even though it might be in the throat or it might be in the gut, it can then have the same effect on the skin. The next autoimmune skin condition that I wanted to talk about was vitiligo. And vitiligo is a common genetic autoimmune disease which causes depigmentation of the skin. And it occurs when these things called melanocytes, which give the cells their pigment, die or are unable to function. And it's similar to what we were discussing in alopecia and psoriasis, that the immune system fires up and starts to kill off our own pigment cells. Vitiligo, you can distinguish it between other conditions because it does, your skin normally has a very normal texture and there is often symmetry to it. So if you get it on one hand, you're more likely to get it on the other hand. And you can get it on your face, hands, arms, feet and legs. And you can even have the pigment loss in the hair. So if you see graying hair on the scalp, eyebrows or eyelashes, that could be vitiligo as well. And it's just worth knowing that those who experience vitiligo often have intense itching at the site of depigmentation during that active stage. So when the immune system is firing up, that's in about 12% of those affected with vitiligo. The reason for vitiligo developing is not fully understood, but again, it's probably to do with genetics, a breakdown of immune tolerance and a maladaptive stress response. So when somebody's stress response isn't as resilient as it would optimally be, and that means when somebody is exposed to a stressful situation, um, their stress response just goes wild, which can fire up the immune system and cause autoimmune conditions such as vitiligo. 
Again, vitiligo is linked to a lot of different autoimmune diseases, including rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, systemic lupus, and type 1 diabetes. As with many of these, because as I said, it's likely that the reason for these autoimmune diseases developing in the first place is to do with the root cause rather than the, the way that they present in each individual. Now, there are many things that you can do to help vitiligo from a nutrition and lifestyle perspective. They know that oxidative stress is one of the main drivers. So when you have more free radicals in the body than antioxidants for vitiligo. So it really is worth making sure that your diet has an assortment of different phytonutrients and antioxidants that are going to help to neutralize the effect of any free radicals and help with any further loss of pigmentation in the skin. And there is actually a concept of phenylalanine loading, which has been in the scientific research for some time now, where a patient with vitiligo will take phenylalanine and expose the skin to the sunlight. And sometimes they can find that they will have repigmentation. But this is a study from quite some time ago, but it has been used. I haven't used it in my clinic with any success, but it certainly is worth trying and worth looking into anyway and exploring that with your health practitioner or doctor. Next, I would like to talk to you about scleroderma. Now, scleroderma is not just a skin condition. It is a systemic condition as well. And I am just focusing really on the skin here, but the research is lacking around scleroderma and what causes it. Scleroderma is a connective tissue disorder. In scleroderma, collagen is overproduced and that collagen accumulates in different parts of the body, including the skin. Scleroderma, when it affects the skin, is often referred to as morphia or linear scleroderma. And its literal meaning is actually hard skin. If you do find you have any red lumps on the skin, that may be a sign of scleroderma. But obviously with all of these skin conditions, it is worth working with your doctor and dermatologist to get a proper diagnosis. And then you can work on therapies with your doctor and try natural remedies with a nutritionist or health practitioner. And really scleroderma is because of the overproduction of collagen will affect all those stretchy tissues that we have, including our skin. That collagen builds up in different organs and different systems in the body. You can see other presentations of scleroderma as well, not just the skin. Now, a lot of the time, if somebody is dealing with the skin type of scleroderma, it often doesn't become systemic. So don't worry if you do have that. But it's really worth pointing out that Raynaud's phenomenon, and it's Raynaud's Phenomenon Awareness Month this month as well in February, that can be a sign of systemic scleroderma as well as other autoimmune diseases. It may be something else entirely and it might not be anything to worry about. But if you do have morphia or you have scleroderma or you have maybe a susceptibility to autoimmune diseases based on other people in your family having them and you start experiencing Raynaud's phenomenon all of a sudden then it might be worth investigating that further and for those who don't know about Raynaud's phenomenon I have done a Friday Five about this before but it is when your hands, mainly your hands, but it can be your feet as well, are exposed to the cold and your fingers will turn white 
And yeah, I would just say if that is happening to you, then it might be worth just checking that there's nothing else going on in the body. Because I always think if you do have a new symptom that just starts all of a sudden, then it is always worth thinking about what could be the possible cause and going to get it checked out at your doctor. Now, there's not a huge amount from a nutrition perspective um, in the research that's shown to help with scleroderma. But as it is autoimmune in nature, I would go back to kind of looking at the guts, looking at the cellular health, looking at the hormone balance. Is there any overload of viruses or bacteria in the body? Because there is a lot of links with, for example, scleroderma and Lyme disease, parvovirus, and even small microbes, which are called nanobacteria. That's definitely worth um, looking into and ruling out. And then there is something called para-aminobenzoic acid, also referred to as PABA. It's antifibrotic and it has been shown that it may be able to help with scleroderma because scleroderma is pro-fibrotic and anything that is going to stop that production may help. Obviously, that's not addressing the root of the issue, but you can find PABA in the diet in eggs, meat and grains as well, if you want to look into that further. And last but not least, lichen planus. You may have heard of lichen planus as something that affects your mouth. You can also have an issue with it in the vagina, but it causes swelling, lesions and irritation in the skin, hair, nails and mucosus membranes. And again, it is to do with that immune system, that T-cell mediated response in the skin that causes this destruction of the skin. And don't worry, it doesn't... (laughs) have anything to do with lichens it's just the way that it presents on the skin is quite similar and that's what the name refers to as with lots of the autoimmune diseases stress can be a factor and it is interesting that they have shown that there is a link between anxiety depression and lichen planus so the research is still evolving in that but it may be that working on those aspects can help with lichen planus as well and I would always say make making sure that you have plenty of rest, doing things that bring you joy in your life and having some go-to stress management techniques because a lot of the time we can't avoid the stress in our lives but it is how we react and respond to that that is the most important. And as I did, with the right guidance and the right support, you can really get yourself into a really good place when you are exposed to those types of stresses so you don't respond or over-respond which can cause more harm to the body. So they are the five skin and hair autoimmune conditions that I wanted to talk to you about today. If you are affected by them, then I may be able to help. I do work with clients with all these five conditions in my clinic and we have seen some great outcomes. I use the functional medicine approach with all my clients. So we are working on the root of the issue. It's often related to the stress response, digestive health, cellular health, overgrowths of bacteria, high viral load. And when you can identify the underlying root causes of these conditions, you can start to address those, target those, get everything back into balance. And you may find that a lot of your skin and hair symptoms resolve as a result of doing that because a lot of the research is going to help us guide how we can deal with those symptoms. But by rebuilding some really solid, strong foundations, by working on the root of the issue, you can have longer sustained health. And I found that myself, I was 
doing a lot of things for 25 years, trying different diets, trying new supplements and bringing in different exercises and movements into my life. And it was only when I really started to address what was underlying did I find that I then had this sustained health, which I've now had for over eight years. So I'm hoping the same for you as well. Feel free to go over to my website, theautoimmunitynutritionist.com and book a free discovery call with me. And if not, I would love to see you over in my community over on my free Facebook group, the Autoimmunity Community. We have such a great month ahead of us. I'm going to be doing my sugar reset challenge again at the end of the month. I'm going to be sharing a lot of insight into food sensitivities, intolerances and allergies and sharing my test results as well. So if you would like to find out more, then pop over to Facebook at the Autoimmunity Community with an IE at the end and I will love to see you over there. If not, have a wonderful weekend and I will speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Autoimmune Reset. I really hope you enjoyed the discussion and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you liked it, I would hugely appreciate a review on iTunes as it helps me understand what you like about the podcast and to help share the information with more people. I'm excited to speak to you next time. And remember, you have the power to take the reins on your health. So keep the faith and celebrate the small wins. Until next time.